How do you make that role less about just greeting someone in store and directing them to product or just pairing orders that were ordered online and having them shipped? You were turning our store associates into warehouse managers. And so redefining that role of the associate will be one of the important ways that talent is attracted. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special panel episode of the Retail Remix podcast. You know me by now. I'm Alicia Esposito, and I have a group of three experts who all have a passion for all things related to the store and specifically the evolving role of the store associate. It is definitely a hot topic right now and we have a lot to dig into. So let's let's kick things off everyone by going through some quick introductions. Why don't you share your names, your titles, and a little bit about what you do every day. Bob, a lot of folks know you, so let's start with you and we'll go from there. Wonderful. Well, for 30 years, I have worked with luxury retailers and independents as the retail doctor. I'm the founder of SalesRx Online Retail Sales Training. We teach your crew how to open your heart to strangers in a retail store and win against online competitors. Fabulous. Oscar, how about you go first? Hi, thank you. My name is Oscar Sachs. I'm the CEO of SalesFloor. We're a platform for store associates to serve and sell to customers. I worked in retail my whole life, worked for uh, many large retailers over a course of a 15-year career, and um, now happy to be developing product for retailers to bring as many benefits as we can. Fabulous. Regina? Hi, I'm Regina Aiello, and I have been with Bembridge Jewelers for 30 years. I specifically oversee the Pandora division. I've been the vice president overseeing the Pandora-owned and operated stores for the last several years. And so I work directly with every store, the team, um, associates who work over the counter, as well as the executive team and my district manager team. Fabulous. And what I love so much about this group of experts is that you all represent, I think, different different facets of the retail industry and, of course, the level of support and assistance provided to store associates. And I think it really ties to the bigger trend or or topic I would love to hear from you all about. But I think, Bob, this first question may be most pertinent to you. I know in our coverage on Retail Touchpoints and, of course, the Retail Remix podcast, we've been talking about this hunger and this eagerness to go back to stores. I know myself personally, I'm very excited to be back out and about shopping in person, but there are underlying conversations around um, the ultimate customer experience and specifically the, the engagement level with associates. So a lot of folks saying that there is a bit of a talent gap, meaning they're struggling to get the optimal number of associates back in store, the right level of talent or, or skill sets. Bob, I want to ask you about this first. I mean, what, what are you hearing? Because you always have a very leveled and realistic perspective on a lot of the dramatic headlines that are happening out there. So what, what are you seeing right now? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? Dramatic headlines? <laughs> oh, I guess... I guess the department stores aren't dead. Oh, I guess we have to move on. Oh, wait. Uh, Retail Apocalypse. Wait. Orby Parker is opening more stores. Allbirds is, oh, that won't work. Uh, A worker apocalypse. That's what it is. Everyone's quitting and no one is buying this work in retail or hospitality restaurant. I mean, somebody has to make fun of it because make no mistake, we are hearing this unending doom and gloom. It's going to continue because there is a certain mindset that if we can do that, we get people afraid and they'll click and listen and share. Look, employees and customers need assurance and you need that from a human voice. And that's not going to come from an app or a social media post. And more people are coming to me for my online retail sales training than probably in the last five years. And I think if you just understand that you bring people back with assurance, that shows up in how you hire and how you train and deliver. I 
can tell you, of course, people are having a tougher time to find people. But make no mistake, this isn't something that's going to be fixed. The baby boom generation, we are retiring earlier. And the biggest thing I see is we've so vilified working in restaurants and retail forever that we aren't teaching it in school or hustle or it's the first way you get a job and learn it's about someone else before you. And what bothers me is I don't see a lot of really younger people jumping into retail. And so I think on a wholesale basis, uh, not really wholesale, but across the industry, all of these negatives continue to come out. Well, who would want to work there and who would want to work is probably going to fit in more in our discussion later on when we're probably talking more about the associates and what's going on in the way that they're managed. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I, I agree that it's like a bit of a cycle, right? It's like if you put negativity out there, if you just focus or try to sensationalize what is happening rather than pose positive solutions or bright spots, I, I guess you could say, that would probably create a bit of hesitancy or concern or fear at a broader level, especially among those those younger people that are just starting to or, or building their presence in the workforce. Can I add one quick little yeah, story? I was ahead. speaking at a huge bike conference two years ago, thousands of retailers, and I did my research. And do you know that in the trade publication, it said that a bike store closed every day and sales reps were actually going out and saying that to all the dealers saying, yeah, it's, it's just getting terrible. You know, who knows going to be left? And now look where we are. And if people had not listened to them, uh, they might have still been opened and been able to partake in this great people coming back to bike stores. Yeah, absolutely. Regina, I have to ask, what are you seeing? Because you're obviously boots on the ground. You're living and breathing this every day. I mean, what are you hearing in the field? What are you hearing among other associates or, or retail practitioners, essentially, that are in the store that are navigating all of this change and possibly pressure? Yeah, honestly, it's never been more difficult. In my 30 years in retail jewelry, it's never been so difficult. I do agree that there's some sensationalizing going on, but the reality is the majority of people who have left the workforce are women, and that is the majority of staffing in retail. And I have, out of 38 Pandora stores, maybe seven of them fully staffed as we head into Q4, our most important holiday selling season. The sales are strong. People are out. They want to shop. They want to buy, like you said. And business has never been stronger. We're, we're having records, to be honest, because people still want to celebrate those moments. But it's incredibly difficult to hire. And places like at home, Taco Time is paying $20 an hour. Chick-fil-A, $17.50 an hour. We have a place, if you've ever been to Seattle, Dick's Drive-In Hamburgers, pretty famous. They're starting at $19 an hour and giving certain amounts of dollars towards childcare. So we're really trying to figure out really how to hire and, and do new things. And people are leaving jobs because of other offers and other opportunities out there. And I think in retail, we're a unicorn. We offer full benefits starting at 20 hours, unlike most retailers. So it is a difficult process out there. But to Bob's point, management and how they are trained and encouraged and developed while they're in your employee is incredibly important. And we always focus on that too. So we're taking this month and really trying to staff up those other 30, 31 stores. I have one store that does strong business and is operating on five associates. And normally they have 15. Yeah, those numbers are pretty staggering. And I'm glad, you know, we're kind of organically going into this topic of what is happening at the corporate level, then at the management level to to support and empower associates to be successful, because I really do think that's a, a very strong connecting point, a very strong driver of associate confidence, engagement. It's all kind of connected, right? And ultimately, the value of the associate is that they're, they're that connecting point between the brand or the business and the individual customer or the specific community. They're that driver of trust, relationship building. They, they really bring that community element to life. And I guess the big question here is, and I'm curious who's going to jump at this question next, is what's really needed to do that successfully today? You know, as we think about training and empowerment, 
and the advantage of being in a store versus, say, shopping online? Like, what do associates need to be successful today? Reinvent themselves and make themselves even more attractive for attracting talent through a wider range of programs. So I think retail is going to have to kind of rediscover how they attract talent. And I think that changing the role of the store associate is going to be an important part. How do you make that role less about just greeting someone in store and directing them to product or just pairing orders that were ordered online and having them shipped? We're turning our store associates into warehouse managers. And so redefining that role of the associate will be one of the important ways that talent is attracted. And I think you have to kind of say, well, who is this audience? Who is the the market of store associates and what do they like? What kind of jobs do they like? And what are they looking for in their job? So we see a few really interesting trends that started about four or five years ago. And of course, the pandemic really just accelerated what was the uh, omni-channel strategy of a retailer. And it was letting store associates to essentially engage customers when they're not in the store, having them reach out to customers for intelligent reasons in scalable ways using the right technology, but having them engage customers, not just when a customer wants to buy, but almost as an influencer and keeping that conversation going so that when the customer is ready, who are they going to turn to? Well, they're going to turn to their associate who has maintain contact with them even when they don't walk into the store. And that's the same thing we're seeing with social selling. We're seeing with influencers. People are constantly viewing the postings of these influencers. And when they are ready to buy, they're going to go to that influencer and see what that influencer is recommending. So that's a really interesting opportunity for empowering store associates is finding the right way for them to reach out to individual customers and keep this conversation and interaction with their customer going, even when they're not really ready to buy. And then the other thing that I think is going to become very important is how do you elevate the quality of a recommendation? In the past, there was no online. So the only time you can get information on a product, you'd go in and talk to the associate. Today, we all know for the last 20 years, people go online, they research, And the value of the associate has been reduced because customers have another way of getting informed. So there is another level of value that store associates can play is how do you recommend uh, bundles of products to your customers? So whether it is an outfit in apparel, whether it is a how to create a look in beauty or how to set up a home theater system and all the components for consumer electronics, If store associates with the right tools can recommend to customers how different products come together to create those unique ensemblers, that's how you can make customers want to engage with store associates in a more frequent manner. That's great. So Oscar, you touched on a few different things. You touched on the technology, of course, how data and technology can help associates engage with consumers at the right time and the right way, provide that digital power, so to speak, and put it in the hands of the associate, which very timely, very relevant to some of the things that that we're hearing. But you also brought up a few of the other benefits, more of the ilk that Regina brought up, like she was bringing up improved wages and health insurance. You brought up flexibility. So it seems like this web or this ecosystem of, you know, what is needed to build an associate community of people that are passionate about the brand, passionate about what they do. It's getting bigger, probably accelerated due to the pandemic in certain respects. But Regina, I I would love to pass it off to you because given the scope of all these different areas and, you know, opportunities to empower and support the associate, I mean, what, what are you seeing become top of mind? What are you seeing associates respond most favorably to? Like, you know, of course, pay, healthcare, very critical, human right, really, to be able to make a living wage and get the healthcare required. But in the way of training, technology, I mean, where are you seeing priorities or, or wants and needs really fall right now? To Oscar's point, 
the new technology available is a great new tool that makes teams and associates excited. I was just at one of our stores and we actually hired somebody and that was a huge selling point was that we added sales floor and no, Oscar didn't pay me to say that. It's a true story. They had worked somewhere that had it and it really excited them and now they're driving it for that specific location. But I think that ultimately what was being said is clienteling. You know, everybody in retail has spoke about clienteling, that building that relationship with the customer, because every customer ideally wants to shop with their best friend. And clienteling has been talked about for years and years and years. We can all remember Zig Ziglar talking about clienteling and keeping a client book, and we all kept all the names and everything in there because that was our tried and true. But we've really had to pivot and find a way to be flexible and meet that customer where and when and how they want to shop. And I think when you are trying to hire and get someone excited, when you talk to them about it being more than just a sales job, you're going to build this relationship. In a sense, you're in business for yourself. And the web used to be the web versus the associate. A customer would come in and an associate would say they were going to lo- they lost a sale because they went online instead. And and what the new technology has really allowed us to do is create a partnership between the web and our associate to help take care of our customer. And it really helps us maintain that customer experience that we all want. There's a lot of different ways to shop out there. There's retailers that really don't have salespeople. They have clerks. And But for the retailers that want to have true sales associates and create an engaging customer experience, being able to add technology to the benefit of the sales associate as well as the benefit to the customer has been a win. And it's been really beneficial for us because you know, ultimately, sales, while we have to pivot and add newness to how we sell, there aren't too many new ways to sell. It really boils down to the fact that the customer will never remember what you say, and they are not going to remember what you do, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. And if you can continue to make them feel important using the web, using a new platform, new technology to help continue to drive that, whether the customer is in your store or sitting at home, no matter what time of day it is, even for that matter, it's really beneficial because we really want to create a relationship with the customer and creating an an emotional connection. You know, emotion is the glue to memory and we want them to remember us and let us take care of them for all we do. So from the associate side, giving them a new way to sell and to embrace and to engage their customer is a win. And we have added that conversation when we are hiring because we want our associates to know they're driving business and it's business that will benefit them also. I love that. I love that anecdote that you just shared that the the technology was the sticking point or the differentiator, Regina, because I do think that that is something that a lot more people are thinking about. Like, what is this brand or retailer going to provide for me to help me not just do my best work every day and feel supported, but also create inroads or opportunities for me to progress and be better over time. And Bob, I know that this is a big passion point for you. So, I mean, what what are you seeing in the way of wants, needs from the associates? And how can retailers best meet those needs and, and close those gaps? Because I do think that this engagement opportunity is, is significant right now. But I mean, you tell me, what are you seeing? Well, I was training, I don't know, six or seven stores in Alexandria, Virginia last uh, Wednesday. And I'm telling you that the people that are engaged enjoy their job. They don't look down on it. And more importantly, the speed of the leaders, the speed of the group. I think we have the illiterate leading the illiterate on many sales floors these days. People who never trained, who never sold are giving training when we make everyone, we value every guest. What does that look like? Oh, we're going to be like Apple. No, that's Apple. Oh, we have the Disney way. It's like, have your own way and then make sure that you hire people who are trainable, who don't look down at it. There's a very big generation difference here. You know, I I got out of the house when I was 18 because I wanted to make money and get out of my parents' house. 
there's a plenty of people that work now that do not need the job like I did. So the idea of hustle and all of that may not be the same, but I think the winners and losers that I, you know, I go back to a Lululemon who I discovered what, 10 years ago. And every Sunday night they would get together and plan goals with their employees had nothing to do with sales numbers. And it was always about, you got to be better and all of that. Well, look at the culture that they have built because I think people quit managers. They don't quit brands. And we've got to get out of this mindless task that we're just going to glom on. My gosh, the average sales associate uh, manager has got like seven or eight apps they're supposed to be telling them what to do. And we're pretty much shutting off their mind and saying, become a robot. When we have the smartest, most hopeful generation out there. They are out there wanting their minds to be engaged, which is why do they go to their boyfriend, girlfriend, which is their smartphone? Because, hey, I might win the lottery and someone likes something. And we are we have got to find a way to engage the mind. And I think that the associate has been elevated. I'm sorry, I don't think everything on the web is right. I think me going online to find a car seat and there's 500 versions is overwhelming. So when I walk into your store and I say, do you have a Model X53 that I saw on a blog? And the employee says, no. Well, shame on you because all that person wanted was a darn car seat. And all you would have to say is, oh, well, I don't have that, but would you be interested in something similar or better? Sure, but we don't train that. See, we don't engage the mind. We don't make it being brilliant on the basics. And like Regina said, yeah, there's not a lot of differences in the way to to sell, but most people would never want to admit they were a salesperson. Most people won't even call it uh, sales training. And we say, it's okay if someone comes in, if they buy it anywhere, we're happy. Look, a business exists, the retail business exists, 60 or 70% of whatever you carry is carried by somebody else or it's something similar. All it exists to do is to sell the product at a profit enough to keep the organization going and to keep it growing. To say that we got likes or we did this doesn't matter. And that's honestly why, Oscar, I when I first met you guys at NRF with Salesfloor, I love the whole idea. I have a client who uses you. And what she appreciates, she's an apparel retailer. And what she appreciated is that she can now actually go into the guy's closet and do a closet makeover at 10 o'clock at night when the guy gets off in Silicon Valley. And those kind of ways absolutely are great. And I love the anecdotal stories. But make no mistake, we have got to understand the parties in the aisles. If you aren't curious why today to that young woman, young man, walk into the store to get the guy, to get the girl, they lost 50 pounds, they won the lottery, whatever. If it really does become order fulfillment, then no wonder, as uh, Oscar alluded to earlier, we are making these poor people into warehouse managers. And it's easy to manage tasks. I won't kid you, it is hard to manage training. Training cannot be a one and done. You know, I was at a conference and a big retailer, you'd all know, they were so proud because they had a 45 minute training video that everybody had to see once a year. And I'm like, you don't get it. You really don't get it. Because training is something we do. And I think everybody on this call would agree with that. But the human touch is what will own the future. Yeah, you can have apps, you can have all that. But if you're hiring people that don't know how or don't want to say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, they're not curious about the other person, then I think from the get-go, you are not going to be successful. Interesting. And I do want to double-click into a point that you made in the early part of your response, Bob, around that notion of, oh, we're going to sell and become a culture like Apple, or we're going to have the Disney way of doing things. And that it's important for brands to find their own approach, find their own culture. And I guess my follow-up question for you there is, how do brands go about doing that successfully? And how can they carry through that overarching mission, those overarching values, and ensure that it's carried through in the tactical elements, in the conversations between management and associates in the training? This is probably in its own episode, but I'm kind of putting like, you on so the spot I there. have, this is a mini series on Netflix. Is that what we're That's doing That's exactly there? it. That's what we're launching. Uh, yeah, I, you had asked so much there that I was like, yes, I can speak to that and that and that. 
I actually need you to repeat it again because I... I... Let, let's start with the culture because what really gripped me is that everyone talks about us trying to be the next culture, the next Apple, the next Disney. So culture, let's go there. So again, I do retail sales training and I have a system of how to engage a stranger, discover the shopper and make the sale. Yes, the basics are there. Much like I was a conductor and you learn the basics of what you can do with your hands and how you deal with things. But once you've got that in your body... You can do anything. So you look at a Bernstein and you're like, well, no wonder he can get the orchestra, whereas somebody else can't. We've got to get back to the fundamentals of it's about somebody else before it's about you. I don't care that your feet hurt. I don't care that you don't like Christmas music. I don't care that you're worried about COVID. We've got to make somebody else's day before they're going to make ours. And that's a huge mindset, mind shift for many people because... If you look at the entrepreneurs, the people we look up to, almost everyone comes back to what they learned in retail. Hammett Handbags are one of my clients. Uh, Tony Drockton says, everything he learned about being a great CEO, he did from working on the sales floor of his dad's store in Ohio when he was in his teens and 20s. We aren't recognizing that this is the future, and we are still looking for the easy answers, but you know... I get it. If I'm supposed to have 15 people in a store and I've got five, you're going to think twice about holding them accountable. But this generation is the one most wanting feedback, most wanting to know what the guardrails are. Just tell me how the game works and I'll do it. I think most of us don't know what that game is. We don't know what success looks like. And then we just let people do whatever they want. And I think it just breeds more of indecision. When you look at some of the best brands that are coming out, they have a very strong culture. And I still think it comes down to knowing who you are. This is how we talk to our customers. This is how I talk to my employees. The most important thing, you know, the first thing I learned when I worked at the Broadway department store in gosh knows, 74, the department manager came down to me on our first day and she goes, whatever you do, when someone walks into our department, you stop everything not customer focused. I don't care if you are stocking, ringing something up, you greet them and you find a way to notice them. I was like, wow, okay. How many, if we were to poll 100 people in a store, do you think ever even heard that? My guess is, with the exception probably of Regina, how many uh, people do you think probably have ever said that? Because it's about fulfilling the task. And I'm afraid I'm going to use up all your time. So I hope that gives you some idea. <laughs> no, absolutely. Definitely some great points there. So having that overarching mission, those core values that, you know, always hopefully tie back to the customer, but then distilling that down into ongoing training, right? So like you mentioned, the retailer that had the annual training video that they had to do once a year, right? So what's required beyond that? It's ongoing. It's ongoing. It's mutual. I mean, like, what are the keys? Like my goal is to always distill some tactical takeaways and considerations for our listeners. So how do you embed this empowerment, this engagement at the associate level and ensure that training is followed through? I do want to let everybody else speak. You have to let them prove that they know it before they actually try it on the sales floor. If you think of a ball player or musician, you don't just pick up the instrument and suddenly you're perfect. You have to learn it, but then you have to practice it a ball player, a musician, you think of anyone, an actor, you can't cut that out. I'm writing a blog about the importance of waiting between training, that you can't just train the mind like it's a Netflix. You've got to take a little bit, make sure they understand it, get a chance to meet with success, hold them accountable to use it at the most basic level, and then move on. But I think we still, if with that mindset of just get through it, which I hear more and more with retailers, or they don't value it, they don't want to bring anybody else in because somebody's job gets it, but they've never actually sold anything, so they don't really understand it. And people are smart. I'm willing to believe that anyone on your sales floor right now could be the most engaging person in the world if you just let them. I have a client, a young man who started at Staples, bought my online training for himself, even though it's for five users, because he wanted to be better. And now he's finding that everyone's coming back to him. What are you doing differently? A little learning goes a long way, but we've got to value the learning to begin with. Don't you think, Alicia and Regina and Oscar? Yeah, can I jump in there? Yeah, I think please. There's a, well, Bob, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think there's a couple gaps there. One is, I think that, first off, it starts with hiring. And what are you looking for when you hire? Because I believe a lot of people overlook some of the untrainable elements of what, 
what characteristics someone should have. I always look for someone who learned what they should have on the playground when they were in kindergarten, because I can't teach that. I want to hire that type of person to begin with. But I agree with training and you can't leave a gap. However, it's not just you train on Sunday and then you don't want to wait too long for that next monthly meeting. There's a whole gap in there called coaching. And that's incredibly important. And that coaching happens every day. And there's a difference between training and coaching. And that helps that associate gain their confidence. As you said, they need to be able to execute it on the floor and be held accountable. You're right. But I also think that we need to help them realize where they're lacking maybe in performance as opposed to telling them. And that's a really important step to engaging and retaining an associate. Looking, our teams always try to grow and develop every associate on some level, whether they're part-time, full-time, whether they want to stay with us for 5, 10, 20 years, or whether they're staying with us just while they're getting through college. Many people have graduated and decided to stay with us and go into management. And I think that if you really engage someone throughout their journey, their associate journey, their employment journey, that you will get great results. So I just want to make, in my opinion, there's training and there's coaching and you have to have both and there is a difference. Yeah, I think that's a really strong point, Regina, because one thing I'm always thinking about is how retailers can create a culture, create opportunities where those part-time associates do say like, hey, I love this brand so much. Like, I want to see what's next for me. I want to see what's possible. And hopefully that leads to more progression opportunities, you know, maybe to a manager role or, or even to a corporate role, right? So do you think it's almost like a cycle? Like, retailers have to provide those opportunities for constant development and progression. And that's kind of the gap right there. Like that's not always happening. Absolutely. I think we have to make sure that our companies have ways for them to go up. But I also think sometimes we make the mistake of training managers and not training associates. And by that, I mean, training from the ground up is really important. We assume that the managers that we train know how to take back and teach their teams. Are you training the manager? Or are you teaching them to go back and train like a train the trainer kind of, of progression? And I think that in doing so, you create an ownership and an accountability of making that place of employment theirs. Otherwise, if an associate doesn't feel like where they're working is theirs too, then they can become defensive. They can start to think, well, they ju- that manager just wants to sell- me to sell more so I can make more. So we have to start from the bottom up and create ownership in order to then grow to develop them, to create opportunity for them, to, for them to want to stay and be with us. And that's really important because how they engage with the customer comes from that. If they have that ownership and accountability, they're going to want to create that relationship with the customer. It's going to be beneficial to them, and it's probably going to be fun for them. I have customers that have been my customers for 29 of my 30 years that are still my customers, that are still best friends, that their children shop with me and their children work for me. And I think that making sure that we recognize, I'm going to go back to it, that there's training, which is so crucial to Bob's point, but there's coaching too. And really making sure you're working on the how they should do something and helping them figure out that how, because I think just the tell is not beneficial if we're just in that tell cycle of training. And I would take the other side as well. I fully believe in coaching, but you can't coach someone who doesn't know what success looks like. You can't coach someone unless you know that they have taken your information and done something with it. 100%. 100%. But I think that truly, if all we want, if we're just going to say every Sunday morning, come in and be trained and, and then not watching them execute it and hold them accountable and coach them up, by opening up the conversation to them so that they can realize it themselves, 
And by that, I mean, a lot of times when we're training, it might be a conversation like, hey, I noticed you with that customer and you didn't show them the additional two categories. Tell me about that. That's not necessarily the right conversation. I think the right conversation, because we did train on it and we did set those expectations and we are holding them accountable, would go more like, hey, I noticed you with that customer. You happened to sell them that specific charm. And they go, oh yeah, he was in a hurry. He knew what he wanted. Great. Tell me what we've been working on. Tell me what we covered Sunday in our training. Oh, well, we covered the fact that we wanted to try and up our units per transaction. And to do so, we're supposed to show two additional items. Fantastic. I'm really glad you got that from the meeting. However, can you tell me how it applied to this customer? Well, the customer knew what he wanted. I agree. I I saw him come in with a picture of that. However, how could maybe you have followed through on what we learned on Sunday and let them realize it and say, well, I guess when I pulled that charm out for the customer, I could have added two clips when I pulled it out. Fantastic. Absolutely right. So tell me what's going to happen with the next customer. What can I look for? I think helping them realize where they're missing with a self-reflection is more beneficial than me telling them what they did wrong. In your example you just gave, I don't think that was self-reflection, but okay. Well, I think I'm that you shamed the him into doing what you said. Didn't I'm you? Directing the con- no, I'm directing the conversation, but I'm letting them articulate where that gap was. There's a few interesting aspects of this conversation, but just to use an example, I agree with what you said, Bob, that everyone there has the potential. So we know there's potential. And what the discussion is now is how do you bring that potential out? And everyone has, some people call it, have different strategies on how they want to do that. But if we put away the different strategies to train people, coach people, or I take it one step back and I say, how is retail adapting to the changes in the workforce? And I think if you want to unlock their potential, you're going to have to adapt to the workforce. And just look at corporate America, the example we just had with the pandemic. The majority of corporate America still prefers to work out of their home and not work back in an office. Now, just imagine if corporate America is deaf to that and they say, I don't care. You all have to come in no matter what, five days a week, exactly like it was before you're going to see what that mass resignation that people are being scared about. So it is very important to recognize that there's a huge desire among the workforce to change, and the retailers have to change with it. They have to appeal to the type of work that these people want to do. If you ask somebody, would you rather create a Shopify site and sell products from around the world uh, anywhere you want and make money, or would you rather work in a store that has traffic has been an issue and there's all kinds of other things that are that you you know you're not crazy about that role a lot of the younger generation is going to gravitate towards social selling and shopify sites and all of that so again i don't want to be dramatic because like you said there's there's a huge opportunity that is thriving right now in retail uh, in many different retail verticals but what i am trying to make the point is besides all the tactical ways that we have to get associates to do a great job. I think what we're hearing is fundamentally there's a change in labor. And I don't know if that's going to go back post-pandemic, and it could very well be people are still concerned about the pandemic. But my feeling is there is a fundamental change in what the workforce is willing to do and not do. And I think the themes of remote work, virtual work, flexible work, and then the skill sets of the salespeople. That generation is interested in social selling. They're interested in video events. They're interested in video consultations. They're interested in marketing. And they are naturally prone to do those skills actually pretty well because they grew up with it. And so I'm personally excited that the more and more the role of the associate the traditional role of the associate morphs into something different, I think the more it's going to appeal to what the bulk of the current generation is, the workforce is looking for. And I think that's how you will get 
to unlock the potential and you will see much better performance. And I agree with you, Bob, is like, you know, if someone's not going to say hello, there's a different problem. The problem is not about getting people to follow basic instruction. The problem is how do you get the workforce engaged in something they actually really like doing? And we're seeing a big change in that role of the associate. And, and I wish it happened faster. And I wish it didn't take a pandemic to give it a, a real kick. But I think that uh, retailers, 100%, when they're thinking of recruiting, when they're thinking of retention, and when they're thinking of customer experience, you need that store associate to actually enjoy the work. And it will not be the 50 or 100 years of training programs that we learned in the past that will overcome somebody who just doesn't enjoy the role that he's doing. Totally agreed. They're all becoming, you know, it's like Regina said earlier about being almost influencers. And is every employee going to be a virtual employee that is selling merchandise from a store and shipping it on their own, et cetera? I think that's a bold idea. But I think, again, it comes down to logistics. That's why brands exist. That's why I go to Pandora, because it's got the whole story and it's got all the, all of that. But where does that pick up where the individual wants to do it all on their own? How does that workforce work? And I don't think anyone has the answer, but... Sorry, when I meant on their own, I don't mean outside of the brand. I, I think... No, but I think that's what we're seeing, though. I think we're seeing online, TikTok and all these other things. You can get a white label product, sell it yourself and develop a brand at an early age. I think we're seeing this kind of entrepreneurial spirit bubble up. So being able to teach them marketing and take those skills they do naturally and bring them into your store, I think could be a really exciting time because I think they are becoming better business people and seeing the results at an earlier age. And, and that's why it's so important, again, from a technology is if you empower your store associate with social selling tools and out of 100 associates, there might be only 20 who gravitate to that because they like that. The others don't have to, but that, those 20 will care about that and they'll do a great job instead of doing it on their own on Instagram, they're doing it to represent the brand. And one of the biggest things you see now in, in retail marketing is they are using you know, professional influencers to represent product lines and to influence sales, but store associates and their role as influencers, we're not there yet, but there is so much potential. And that's why you see uh, live streaming, video conferencing tool, video appointments, live chat, letting the store associate break out and do those kind of things. I think there's a portion of the associates that will really like that. There's another portion that will really like more of the outreach marketing to customers that I've spoke to in the past and engaging with them on an ongoing basis. So each type of profile in the workforce will gravitate to different things. But the key is to have those things available for them to appreciate and want to want to do and and i agree with that more than you know i think it's basically working smarter not harder it doesn't have to be one or the other what it does is it gives our associates an element or a tool that they can use in many different ways and still help the customer over the counter at the same time it's not a tool that says only shop with me online it's not a tool that you can only clientele from you can do everything from and and i'm not trying to just sell sales floor. But for us, to be honest, we've always been kind of slow to progress. And the pandemic really caused us to pivot. Our website was really meant to drive customers to our stores. It was not meant to just drive that direct business to the web. And when the pandemic hit, we actually had to shut it down because we didn't pull inventory. We really used that website to drive business to our customers. We created a very elementary version of virtual selling before we learned about the Salesforce platform. And then once we learned about it, we embraced it. And what's so beautiful about it is it's clienteling 101. It's working smarter, not harder. As I said, we can send extra emails. We can send extra texts. We can have a virtual appointment. We can create appointments for the customer to come in and when they're more comfortable and take care of them when we know it's a busy selling time. It's really giving, I mentioned earlier that there aren't that many new ways to sell, right? But 
this is exciting because it is a new way to sell and it still encourages that over the counter, Bob, to your point, they have to be able to say hello. If they're not willing to say hello in person, they're not going to be willing to say hello on this platform or using technology to benefit them. And once they embrace it all, it's really exciting to be able to use this and still enhance that customer engagement. We have a piece everybody's been waiting for. They've been taking wait lists for, and I got a call this morning begging me to make sure there'd be an asset for it so that they can just send it out to all these customers instead of having to call them all. I'm not saying we wouldn't call them because they still want that personal touch, but it's a way to to use technology to add that personal touch to help us engage our customer and continue that relationship. Because for us making a friend, we always say we want to make a friend first and we want that friendship to last and build forever and ever. And this is a really great new way um, that excites my teams. But you're right, it could maybe be 20 people out of my 300 associates. But you know, those 20 people are going to touch a lot of customers and create some good experiences. I think it's exciting. For 30 years, I didn't have that tool and I'm so excited to have it. And I think technology, no matter what form a retailer chooses, is really important to move forward to create that experience for customers. So many great points and a very lively discussion that I feel like could continue for hours. But sadly, we're at the top of our time, everyone. Really appreciate the the transparency, the candor among everyone on the line today. But before we close up again, I always try to have very trend-based conversations, you know, talk about the issues that are top of mind for our listeners right now. But I always try to close things up with quick, actionable takeaway or recommendation for everyone on the line, because obviously the folks listening right now likely are looking for ways to improve their, you know, associate engagement, culture, performance. I'm sure there's a slew of other objectives that are top of mind right now. So maybe we close things up. Um, Everyone just provide a quick snapshot or, you know, soundbite of a recommendation or a tip for our listeners. Oscar, how about we start with you? Well, one thing that is very timely because it's happening right now is the idea to celebrate uh, store associates. And one person said it really well when they said that, you know, store associates have been frontline workers during the pandemic. And between having to change everything in the store for safety, the changes in labor, the shutdown in stores, how to deal with customers, how to deal with upset customers, the traffic changes. They really have done an incredible, incredible job. And I think celebrating them is, for me, an important takeaway. And we started last year an awards program, regardless of whether the associates were using Salesforce or not. It was industry-wide, and it was kind of like the ice bucket challenge where people could nominate store associates who have been just doing great things. And we have that awards where we have a panel of judges that review all of the candidates and the submissions, and then there's all kinds of uh, an award ceremony and prizes. So in my mind, I think a nice takeaway is to say, we need to first recognize and celebrate how important this role is uh, like Bob said, the human's not going anywhere. The human is the one who can do the best role. So we need to celebrate this role. And number two, we should be as open-minded as possible in thinking about different roles that that store associate can now play. And once that's defined, you can figure out how to execute that. But what are the roles that they're doing today versus what are the roles that they could be doing, which will enhance your customer experience and make it a much more motivating job description for attracting talent. Love that. Bob? I'll go back to my original idea, the human touch will own the future. And if you're a manager and you're listening to this still, I always say, listen for the laughs, because if you're not hearing anybody laughing on the floor, meaning customers and associates, then probably something is not comfortable or engaging for both. And um, do make sure you're rewarding the job of selling the merchandise. I think that the future is going to come down to people who can do the job are going to excel. I know people make 100 grand working in retail. And yes, they're at luxury retailers, 
but I think that anyone can be doing better and we are going to find it will be a skilled position in the future and that those who are unskilled will probably be replaced with robots and everything else. But if you're listening to this, make no mistake, your whole job is to make your associates day before they will ever make a customers. You cannot deride them or consider them disposable or inconvenient and complain about how much you're paying them. If I have to pay them 40 bucks an hour and they do an amazing job, it's going to be amazing when someone walks in, then why go and pay an influencer that money or take out a coupon or an ad or a Facebook ad? Why not just reward it where the magic happens on the sales floor? Awesome. Last but not least, Regina. Oh my gosh, no pressure. Um, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that it's funny that I'm last because I embrace Oscar's point as well as Bob's point. I think that retail in brick and mortar stores is here to stay. And I'm grateful for that. And I think that the new tools we need, technology we need to help maximize our sales um, will continue to grow also. And I think we do need to reward sales in either form. And I'm really grateful that we can do both and we can create that surprise and delight moment for our customers because you can take care of a customer or you can make sure they leave happier than when they walked in or when they connected with you via technology to be able to do that. I think that being able to meet the customer where they are, how they want to shop and when they want to shop is really an important element to growing our business as we move forward. And I think hiring associates that are excited to connect with a customer via in-person or via technology is really something I'm looking for. And I think they'll find their own success and they will enjoy the benefits of their labor. I think we need to move forward with empathy for our teams as we continue to grow out of this, but it's about sales and driving the business and happy associates in a great environment will continue to do that. And Bob's correct. You want to listen for the laughs because I will always say emotion is the glue to memory. And if you can create that emotional moment, be it positive or negative, to be honest, and by negative, I mean, if it's a sad moment that they came in, keep in mind, I'm in jewelry, that they will always remember you, especially when you take really good care of them. And they might want to be in front of you today, but they might want to connect via technology tomorrow. And being able to pivot and meet them in those locations will continue to grow our business. Love it. Such a great conversation, one that could certainly continue. I know it's top of mind for a lot of folks right now, but you all raised some incredibly valuable points and offered some great insights and takeaways for everyone listening right now. So thank you all again so much for taking the time out to join me today. And thanks to all of you for listening to this conversation. Like I said, it's a conversation. We'd love to keep it going. Drop us a line on social media at our touch points on Twitter or at retailtouchpoints.com to offer a comment, um, ask a question. We really like to bridge those connections and, and really have a lively and transparent dialogue around these and, and other issues. And of course, if you like what you heard, drop us a review. We're on all of the preferred podcast players out there. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, probably anywhere else you listen to a podcast, we're likely there. So share your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.